1: Inside information on your teams, honest opinion, and the biggest names in sports. It's time, Las Vegas, for the Playmakers.
3: There is no person more ready to crack a bottle and let his body waddle than one Mr. Adrian Hernandez right now. Because I can tell, you're not just pumped for the hour or two of the Playmakers that we are just moments into. But I've essentially handed the keys to the footies, the football segment to you. And... I feel like, am I correct in this assumption of why you're vibing? You're, you're very excited um, to give I'm, your presentation. I'm
2: excited. It's time to say goodbye to someone I've wanted to say goodbye to okay. for a very long time. It's been a busy day. It's so you say
3: bye th- to people. Yes. I've kind of gotten into the habit where I just kind of skulk away. Like if I'm at a party or like a social like Irish, gathering. Is it the
2: Irish goodbye? Like yes, this- yes.
3: Uh, that's what I, I have been familiarized with that, uh, with that exact saying. But some people might take offense to it. Who knows? But... I don't think it's a great habit to have because you never know when the last time you're going to see people. First and foremost, it's probably not a good thing to say, like, peace, but not peace because I'm not saying anything to anyone.
2: The Fast and the Furious Since yeah. You've Been Gone song just, oh just hit my head as oh, soon as you said that. That's the you sense you took it way been too deep yeah, yeah. or no, not, not too I was going to say,
0: yeah,
2: it was not that difficult. Rest in peace to Paul Walker. Oh. Um, but that, as oh, soon Kelly as you Clarkson. said that, I, I feel like you say that but this weekend, like like partying, yeah, you're going to have a good time with, with the hockey, the world of hockey as they invade us here in Vegas. Yeah. And I feel like you're not saying goodbye to anybody. I'm kind of nervous.
3: I'm, I'm very nervous, actually, because let's talk
2: this out. Real let's quick. just
3: say uh, the gills aren't exactly filtering the same amount of water as they used to, and so I thought you as,
2: meant like hockey guilds, like World of Warcraft. Not like guilds, the...
3: gills, gills, oh, like okay, on a fish. Like a fish. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> I'm not a huge drinker, and while I'm not opposed to it, I just don't seek it out. I, I don't like it, thankfully, and mostly I drink. A lot of milk, and I even cut out Diet Coke. For but for the most part, I'm still operating in the headspace that I was not necessarily in college, but in the after college, we're like, oh yeah, I'll just get like a, a, a shot, I'll get a, ha- a couple of mixies, and I'll be fine. I literally was at a, a local establishment here less than two months ago, and I had a drink and a half, and I had to take a lap. Like I literally was buzzing. It took me 20 minutes. But and did so- you eat before? No, and so that's I'm like usually, usually I'm I'm very good at the preparation when it comes to the drinking. and I have a lot of rules because it's a slippery slope, but eating is definitely one of them. I don't change the types of drinks that I drink in like in that night if I'm drinking dirty sherys, I'm drinking dirty shels all night. It keeps it simple and then it, you don't get yourself into trouble you know exactly what kind of drunk you are. Don't drink more than two days in a row because I'll wake up with withdrawal symptoms, what else?
2: I know we've just met, but are you embarrassed to bring me around your hockey friends and why you haven't no. invited me to no events?
3: No, I just I, – I don't have any events or really hockey friends to invite you around because they're all, you know, visiting this weekend, not necessarily living here. Uh. And so don't worry. Paul only met maybe like two of my friends ever and maybe one branch of my family. And so – all in good time. All in due time. Not everybody gets the door held for their family to come in in studio like yesterday. That was
4: amazing.
0: I was like, hi, Adrian's fam. Welcome. Yeah, was,
2: oh, I don't know how that happened, but it yeah. happened. And Partying, like, let's let's kick off this goodbye, goodbye party, shall we?
3: Okay, let's do it. Oh, the funniest of footballs. We are for sure here to give our best effort and put on a show, but mostly just party in Vegas.
2: Because, like, I'm going to retire, but then... someone said it, and I wanted to control it, so then I'm not retiring. And then 24 hours later, I actually am retiring. Well, time
3: is a social construct. Maybe he took enough time.
2: Do you think he was really considering? He's like, Giselle, Giselle, come on. I don't get to make this announcement. Please let me play. I'm upset now.
3: I think he probably planned to do it today or maybe later in the week, and then when he, uh, as he said yesterday, I had planned to have a quiet weekend. I think plans changed. And so regardless... Uh, we know that number twelve will probably never be suited up again in uh, in a Patriots uniform for sure. Uh, the goatiest of goats. There's really I, I I don't know what else to add to the conversation because we've had this conversation basically all week about the Brady retirement, but for it to finally be here, like the after, what you were saying a couple weeks ago, Adrian. All the people we grew up watching play are now left, and he was one of the very few that were still playing.
2: Rivers. Please. I
3: feel old.
2: Roethlisberger. Brady. Who else mm-hmm. am I missing? Who, who else am I missing? Eli. We Can we, as we get into this, I just real quick, Adam Schefter, I apologize. Why? He was
3: right. It's not about being right, though.
2: He was getting dunked on. He was getting he dunked on hard. It wasn't his
3: new, like... It, I don't know where we started crossing good journalism with being first. Probably around when Twitter took off and made itself an app, literally. I just think to that's news. a
2: product of the beast of sports. We want it, and we want it now, just like I everything think so else. Too, but
3: I think if I'm at, if there's somebody that you just say, "Hey, I'll let you," you let us know, and I won't go sniffing around that that blueberry bush. It's probably Tom Brady. Like there, what what, there's what a does select it serve few... to, to do it two days early other than saying, I have the story!
2: Exactly. You get the exclusives. That's how you build well, a reputation. Look how, look,
3: well, because, you know, Adam Schefter has been nothing but the the beacon of, of a clean reputation the last year, year and a half.
2: I also think it's That's funny. What I mean. We think
3: that he's good just because, like, some a, a couple guys text him with news and then he tweets it. I'm like, good for you.
2: But, like, do we, are we, well, first, I think it's funny that, like, him and Jeff Darlington, like, they combined to break the news and, like, no one said anything about Jeff. It's all Who's Jeff Darlington. The guy, He NFL, he's a very reputable reporter. But, like, when you when you say good, like, what, I, it's weird to, like, do you, first off, do you consider them journalists? Because I, I don't, because I don't think it's necessarily, I think they're news no. breakers. I think there's a yeah. distinction Yeah, oh, there's definitely nuance, just like how I,
3: we're not journalists. Yeah. We're, I, I was a communication major, which is journalism, but with less integrity. But that allows me to discuss things. I, that's why I don't do the after game press conferences, because literally what, first of all, hockey players train to tell the media nothing. And second of all, know most of the hockey that's going on. And third of all, what are we doing here? What is there to talk about? Truly like, that's a good distinction to make about being a newsbreaker. Well, Adrian Wojnarowski, same type of guy, that same type of person. I put there's Woj the newsbreaker and then there's Zach Lowe who writes a lot of the content for lead NBA content for ESPN, like there's there's your distinction. But for some reason, well, because when you're a newsbreaker, you're the name that everybody associates first, we still think you're a journalist.
2: But it's what we want to. It's what we yeah. want as fans.
3: Yes, which is the news. We don't care where we get it from. But some news some timing is important for things, but I, I'm not here to defend Tom Brady's retirement. There's there are bigger hills to die on, more important hills to die on.
2: And we actually we do have audio from Bruce Arians Ooh, uh, yes. regarding the, uh, <laughs> the suspension. Let's do this real quick or the retirement. Excuse me.
3: All I can do right now is put on a brave face and go out there and be their leader.
1: It's over.
2: We are screwed. That is that
3: was live from Bruce Arians. Yes. Straight in from the in mouth. Tampa
2: Bay. Um, but can we can we go into the the goodbye letter? So you posted on Instagram how the announcement was yeah. made. Uh, first off, it was a picture of him in the Tampa Bay jersey in New England, the game earlier this year, with him <laughs> smiling. I feel like that was like Tom Brady is a very – we talk about his brand and how he uses this thing and makes announcements. He's and been on he a revenge
3: upset. tour for years, though, if you think about it, because I was watching Man in the Arena last night, ironically. And it wasn't the most recent episode, I don't think. It was the one – where they're talking about basically the deterioration of the relationship between the Patriots, Tom, and Alex Guerrero. And how the Patriots are basically saying, Guerrero, you can't come in here. And so Tom's getting treatment in, like, hotel rooms and stuff. And trust me, there there are worse places to get your treatment from your personal trainer. But of just – of what that probably felt like for him, being on those tables for every single moment that he was on there, where it could just be easy enough for me to be in the locker room. And the only reason I'm not is because – Apparently, our trainers don't like what he's preaching, and how betrayed he probably must have felt, and and the separation that that creates. And so, I'm not super surprised that he went petty underground with his his statement there with the at being the Patriots game this year, him smiling at the field.
2: But why, like, like you? We talked about it earlier. Yeah. Every he won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Bill hasn't. He barely made the. He made the playoffs this year. That was it. They played early this year. It was in Foxborough. Tom won. Mm-hmm. Like, what more do you want? You got seven rings. You got more Super Bowls. Well,
3: that's what I'm saying, than the he's Patriots accomplished everything. He's accomplished everything. He he. And in that episode, it, it seemed like you're on that revenge tour for Deflate Gate to prove that hey, it's really not that big of a deal, and this is all BS, and I'm going to win anyways. And then the Guerrero starts to to deteriorate. And then it gets worse. And then he goes down to Tampa and he's able to, as you said, win the Super Bowl and then beat the Patriots back at home. Literally, what else is there to accomplish?
2: And after that, so all scores settled. uh, You're 100 percent correct. And on the Instagram post, so it was a picture of him in Foxborough. And then it was a nine page letter, not a single mention about Boston, the Patriots. this is so. This is who he thanked. He thanked his Buccaneers teammates, Buccaneers fans, the Tampa and St. Petersburg region, the Glazer family, the GM of the Bucks, Bruce Arians, all the coaches, the staffers, Alex Guerrero, all of his agents, his parents, his wife, his kids. He didn't mention the Patriots. That's kind of petty girlfriend vibes, right?
3: You guys talking about Tommy Brady right now? Yes, we're you talking met, about Tommy. Have you met Meg McGuire? I haven't.
2: Is, is, is Meg, is, Meg? Meg. Meg?
3: How, uh, how's it going, Meg? Meg, I, I've had better days. I've had better days. I, I feel unacknowledged. Unack- I, I, I feel a little bit uh, ignored. And I'm honestly really frustrated because I don't know why Tom would write all that that letter to the entire city because all he did is one, one chip. He puked in there at bay. And then all of a sudden, we're married? What's the deal, Adrian? Why 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 is Tommy leaving us now entirely? Well
2: sometimes when, when you're stuck in a relationship, I think a lot of people can relate Valentine's Day, 13 days away. You're stuck in a relationship without the with the wrong person, and then you find that one, and they bring that sunshine and the beach and, and blonde women in risque clothes that they can wear in the winter. Just a lot of different vibes. And and I feel like, you know, Tom, he found the one and kinda Opened in
3: my just favorite era. Tom Brady life. was when he had his uh, his UGG commercial years, and then he had the long hair. That's what I really liked. It it reminded me of Samuel Adams. I felt like he was an incarnation of, of Samuel Adams, and so it seemed very on brand. Jimmy G Tom Brady? Who's
2: more attractive? Oh, don't next?
3: be uh, J- the Lord Jimmy Garoppolo, as as Lindsey Brown calls calls him. Uh, he's been dead to us for years, and so and while Tommy certainly, uh, let's just say he went to a snow Snow White napping place uh we're happy that he's decided to come back to the fold and while he didn't mention us in our letter specifically I'm sure
2: Instagram story Instagram sure, story though the, the,
3: at least for IG official though at least for IG official and I can send that to my best friend Terry and Joey and Tommy the other Tommy because he was named after Tom there's a lot of a lot of my cousins are named Tom there's Tommy B and there's Tommy C and then there's Tomasina, and then sick there's a, We're not sick freaks. We're just uh, making sure that the human race goes on. Because, you know, the center of the universe is the back bay.
2: This is very true. Uh, my last thing on Tom Brady uh, NBC New York tweeted out this headline Tom Brady, who lost two Super Bowls to the Giants during his legendary 22 years. Those
3: don't NFL count. We, we, uh, we have erased it from our memory.
2: It's like the two most important Super Bowls like Dude. ever. I mean, the catch was pretty cool. And Eli Manning, and he's funnier no than the brother. No one remembers
3: it. No one remembers it.
2: Uh, we're going to see Tom Brady again uh, on Peacock. He's going to get the Manning cast treatment. They're going to spend a bag uh, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Sunday night football with Tom Brady, I think is what we're going to get. And, and do you think that's
3: what he wants to do, though? Julian
2: Edel- Edelman. I, I do because of, I would like, for him to have a podcast and his social media, like the way he's been on it the past two years and these recap Agreed. videos on Twitter. He's so not I, going
3: to a studio to do that though. He's but, gonna he has his own studio.
2: Yeah, he has his own studio and he doesn't have to. Like Eli exactly. and Payton were doing it from their house. Right. They they built the studio in their basements. So I it, we're in this rat race with these media like they're they're trying to get Marshawn Lynch to do one. Who better to go up against Peyton than the guy who I don't
3: think he's gonna go into media. I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do his own thing entirely and if anything we'll see him Probably take a break for a couple years before putting himself in that stream. Because Peyton Manning, remember, the, after he retired, he spent a couple years just going around to training camps and talking with people and just kind of being that guy and evaluating whether he wanted to go into what he's doing now, which is that that more media-fronted part, or if he wanted to explore his his front office uh, opportunities as well. I mean, that he was... We were having the same conversation when he retired. The second that he wants to be a GM, anybody will take him. And really? I, I, Peyton, for sure. Peyton, for sure. But Peyton, I, I think, thinks the game differently than Tom does. I think Tom's a good coach person to person. I think Peyton's probably a better coach person to team. And so it's it's just personality differences. But I, I think it, for a guy who has spent 22 years in the front spotlight of the most popular sport in America and – gone through at least 3 different character assassinations of himself or of of other people's knives like he's going to want to just close the blinds for a little bit as much as he can at least that's just what i i, I would anticipate especially since his his thunder got stolen a little bit like that's that's ultimately the thing. Like Adam Schefter, really, you're gonna you're gonna go and undercut Tom Brady. What does it serve? Is it really that important to you to do that and probably I, work I, him? Because he's he hung up on his Wei interviews and stuff all the time, all the time. He doesn't have time for people that don't do things the right way. And Schefter's one of those guys that doesn't do things really the right way.
2: I think prisoner of the moment, though. Five years from now, we're not going to remember that. Oh, Adam Schefter broke it. It's that Tom, Tom Brady, Brady will. retired. Tom Brady will, but, I mean, he's cool. Tom Brady's bigger than ESPN Like I said, Chapter's not really so, there to be
3: a journalist. He's not really there to be there there to talk to the players. He's just there to be on Twitter.
2: Yeah, and whether he's right or wrong, just like today, he said that thing about Tom Brady, he broke the Flores story. They're going to keep reporting. It's, yep. it's a, you know, so. Yep.
3: Damned if you do, damned if you don't.
2: Sorry, Boston. I feel like you got no, treated like, a, like a bad ex No, do not sorry experiment. to right. Boston. Forget Boston, Who and needs Tom Boston? Brady. They're Here's all drinking
3: the f- anyways.
2: Also, we might not say goodbye to, to Tom Brady uh, with the implications with this Brian Flores lawsuit. So stay tuned. <laughs> might have Facts. to hear more about Tom Brady.
3: Seriously, though, the the um, news cycle has been more rough than usual. Turbulence is definitely something that we have all dealt with in one way or or another anything else for the 40s of footballs or are you just dedicating it to good old tb12
2: due to the breaking news yeah we got two weeks i will the Super say Bowl.
3: he has to be relieved because as i or i think i'll mention here in ed cunningham's interview i keep forgetting of like when we talked to him that I, I i spoke to one of my um best friends and former teammates tiffany and of just kind of like looking back on our career because the news broke and she's still out in boston and i'm just like god can you believe what we used to go through every day and it's not to be like, oh, the woe is me, the amount of work, but literally like the emotional roller coaster and the sole focus, a, as Ed will say, the granular focus on stopping a puck or scoring a point or doing the right thing and having when you're doing the right thing and you're going above and beyond always just what kind of hyperbaric emotional chamber you create for yourself. It baffles me how I was able to exist the way I was and 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 succeed to the level that I did because I was a wreck. I was a wreck. Uh, but that's when you're playing uh, something that you're passionate about and it, you're challenging your body in the moment and you're literally in the moment. That's why you get those those outbursts of, of aggression or elation or other things. But regardless, a very, very somber and confusing day in the NFL that started with the announcement, at least the official nou- announcement of Tom Brady's retirement and has since morphed into something much larger, much bigger. And that's exactly what we kind of get into with Ed Cunningham. Not necessarily what has broken news-wise today, but how to really find who you are and and explore who you are when you've been an athlete your entire life and what if it's time to find out actually what your name is and what you like. Well, hopefully you like our conversation with Ed Cunningham. That's after the break, 1140 The Bet.
1: You found the Playmakers only on 1140 The Bet, Las Vegas.
2: Hey, it's the Playmakers, Adrian Hernandez here with Lindsey Brown, and we can't waste any time. Let's go straight into it, because right now on the line is the host of the Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham podcast. Remember, insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to driveway.com, where you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered.
3: Ed, thank you so much for joining us today. You seem to be a man of many talents and interests. We could take this conversation in many directions. So let me simply ask about that podcast in one episode, specifically the the one about chess boxing. What is that? And what specifically piqued you and in, in your interest in that sport when you were first introduced to it? Because it's the first I've ever heard of it today.
5: Yeah, we did a film called By Rook or Left Hook, the story of chess boxing. And chess boxing is... It's, it's a mouthful, but it's a professionalized sport, mostly in Europe, but there's uh, clubs in the Middle East. There's clubs in South America and very high-level chess, uh, almost masters. A lot of guys start chess, and then they learn to box, but there's people who are boxers who were decent at chess and got much better. But it's a combination of box one round, speed chess the next round, box an- another round Mad. And the time speed chess element is um, usually the deciding factor. But the boxing, when the I first was shown some materials that became the film, um, you know, you go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be really bad boxing. But boxing, uh, it turns out, is very, very good. It's a, a high-level amateur uh, boxing. And so these these guys, it's almost all men, but there are some women who compete. Um, started these professional leagues and this filmmaker from Canada um, who was a a fan of a film I did called The King of Kong about Donkey Kong um, he reached out because he'd been filming with them for years and had all of this footage and had about a four hour sort of, you know, like he cut together four hours of his journey of following these guys and it took us a while to get it down into a, a feature film but it's really great. Um, it's the characters are amazing. There's really high stakes. People put their their livelihoods and their lives on the line to get involved with this thing. And it's uh, so the film came to me because of another project I, I had done. And the filmmaker, you know, sort felt like they were very similar worlds sort of quirky sports based uh, subcultures that are, that are really fascinating.
3: Absolutely. Ed. as I'm like thinking about this conceptually, because I I played college hockey. And so as a goalie, I I can feel my body pretty well and think myself through that process. I'm like, you have to be really efficient in your movement. You can't go for the big swings or or really go for 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 the big time plays, because first of all, you'll get yourself out of position. And second of all, that cortisol level is going to be jumping. And as you said, if the big leverage point is the actual chess match, I mean, we burn a ton of calories just thinking, Ed
5: you should Lindsay, please watch the film oh I'm a hundred percent quite too you it. just said what you just said is why uh, they're not even adherents it's like they they it's like they it's almost their religion, this chess box and i'm and I'm not kidding, you'll see in the film, and it's exactly that it's that perfect combination of completely out of your mind and in your body and how you feel with the physical game. And then all back into your brain and being cerebral, completely cerebral, while your heart rates through the roof, your nose might be bleeding, your hands are taped, so they take the gloves off, but you still have taped hands. And that's the duality of life that the people who practice chess boxing really, you know, that, almost oh. all of them are there because of that duality as you described it.
3: Well, Adrian likens the goaltending position to kickers, and I take offense to that because kickers are only called upon for like one play out of how many, but goalies are in it the whole time. I think this is a much better comparable in terms of the mental and physical warfare that uh, that these athletes have to go through. I'm just absolutely fascinated. I'll, I'll 100% uh, check out that documentary. But as you mentioned, that project found you, and, and it also found you an Oscar. And I know this is probably a, a basic question, but where do you keep yours? <laughs>
5: um so yeah we won that for a film called undefeated about a high school football team in memphis tennessee and uh they do a round robin because people need them at different times so believe it or not (laughs) they're in grocery bags and if you don't have one you call the the two directors and the field producer were the ones who for documentaries they get the trophies and so i'll call one of them and say hey rich i'm Rich Middlemiss, I'll be like, hey, Rich, I'm coming by. I need an Oscar. I'm doing a speech. Because now sometimes, and this is hard, because sometimes you, you know, if someone you're doing a speech or whatever, hey, hey, could you bring the Oscar? And it's sort of awkward. I don't know. It's like bringing a piece of furniture, you know? Look at my trophy
3: I'm bringing for you guys to look at and marvel at. Aren't I awesome? Have you done this before? You've done this before.
5: You've asked to bring the Oscar to a speech. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And some of them, sometimes I want to, here's what I will say. I won a national championship in college, so I got, you know, the national championship ring, which my kids had never seen until recently because I had just hit a box somewhere. Um, And they were, oh, wow, that's cool because we were talking about the Super Bowl. Um, You know, I know people who've won the Heisman. The Heisman and the Oscar, I think, are the two trophies in America where if you won that, I think people really want to see it hundred percent are just so unique. It is, it is different. And then what it, you know, when it walks into a room, you can't take your eyes off it. It is so iconic and beautiful. So, uh, but yeah, they stay in grocery bags in closets somewhere.
2: That, that is insane. Uh, one thing that I, I marvel about you is your hustle. And first off, we're former KTR employees. We're alums. So mm. shout out to that. Uh,
5: shout out what to Phoenix. Lob. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, Yeah, I had a billboard, man. I'll I'll send you guys. I got to put it up on Instagram. I had a billboard from my show on KTAR. Look at you. Yeah, Uh,
3: tag us. Tag us. We'll post it.
2: I got a minimum wage street team check, Ed, so I can't really compare with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the one thing I marvel at is, you know, these these different facets in your life. Now it's podcasting, filmmaking. Of course, you're a commentator. You played football. Um, And earlier we were talking about Tom Brady as it's official, um, and he's retiring. And kind of going through that process of, He spent so much time, 24 years professionally playing this game, studying it, keeping up, being at the best. And now that's kind of over. Like if you had words to say to Tom to kind of, you know, transition into real life and no longer being this superstar, having to study and game plan and go through that uh, rituals with the NFL.
5: I think he set himself up well because he already has, you know, his brand. He's a partner in this media company. Um, You know, he's an active investor, and I think he – so I I think he has a plan where, you know, he's going to be able to fill his days with regimen and, you know, uh, deadlines and, excuse me, things that he's going to need to, you know, stay sharp for. But what nobody plans for is come July, your body, your whole sort of being – is ready to go to work for five or six months. And, you know, for a lineman like I was, you know, I was just sort of getting ready to be beat down for five to six months, but with Tom or, you know, someone like that, it's about the, the training, the hours, the dedication. And then the other thing that you don't realize is in those five or six months, your focus is really granular it is yes. just on the field mm-hmm. and that's not life and so i think that's the hardest thing for players in any sport um when you step away you've got to realize there's going to be a big hole in your calendar which used to be preseason and the season that's going to be gone and so what's your plan how do you get through that and I, you know it's not tragic for people and some people really struggle with it, but most sort of enjoy it. Like, gosh, I'm glad I don't have to be in the film room at 5 a.m. on a Friday <laughs> get ready right. for the game Sunday. But that's the big hole. I think he's got a good plan off. But I would just say, you know, hey, Tom, come July, maybe book a trip. Go away. You know, go have some fun with your family because it's going to be weird. There's going to be a year or two where your body, you know, I got a call after I retired in – Like the next August, and the Colts, they really needed a center. And I already lost some weight, and I'd have to work out again. But there was a moment where I was like, huh, because I was sort of missing it. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't do that, but, um, but that's the hardest thing, I think, to get ready for.
3: We're talking to Ed Cunningham, a true renaissance man, started in the world of sports and has really taken a step and gone in pretty much every direction that you can think of in, in marketing, in business, in, in film, and TV, and everything. And uh, actually, you are a man of principle as well, and there's no people that I like more than people of principal ed and a few years back it seems like your conscience and your career came to head uh in the continuously ongoing conversation that we have about head trauma and concussions specifically Mm. in the arena of football and as I've mentioned I'm a hockey player and I've had four concussions myself proud Mm. owner of all four of those and you literally quite took a stand and walked away from your analyst job at ESPN because you're just like I can't feed into this product anymore. I I can't lend myself to that. So in the years since you've made that decision, how do you feel about that self, that decision that you made in that moment, and how the game has changed since? Do you think, I think we're still short on the progress, but should we be a little bit more excited on the progress that we have made?
5: Well, uh, first things, the the first question is, um, I'm glad I took the stand. Um, It was a little nuanced. My really big moral issue was, I was covering amateur athletes Mm. and we were paying billions of dollars for those TV rights. I was being paid a very nice salary. We had all these executives making a nice living. You have the commissioners of leagues getting $20 million bonuses for negotiating these media rights. So I had a really um, huge moral problem with, okay, we know the game is dangerous. We know that there are, you know, significant injuries, but specifically around the head and brain, the science is in. (laughs) You know, we know the connection there. Um, Now, that science is not tragic. It's not a death sentence to play hockey. It's not a death sentence to play football. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. Most people who play high-level sports end up healthier and outliving Mm -hmm. most people for obvious reasons. But football is an outlier in that head injury. There are a lot of concussions and head injuries and long-term effects there. So that was one piece. But the piece was it was amateurs that were out doing it that I thought until – well, and still we're still trying to figure it out with name, image, and likeness rights finally coming back to the athletes. But that was my big conundrum was how do I rectify being on the professional side of an amateur sport where I know what these kids – because, you know, 18, 19, those are kids. Right. What they're going through. And so I'm very glad I took the stand. Um I'm very glad that things are starting to change and these athletes can make money off their name, image, and likeness like they rightly should. Um, As far as the safety of the game, I think that hockey is a great example of what you can do. You know, I think hockey has changed in a way, you know, it used to be big dudes blasting each other against the glass, and that's just not the game anymore. It's a more speed and fluid game.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: And they've taken a lot of the hitting out. The, the problem with football is, if it, it, it's like telling hockey, you can't pass the puck. That would be the change.
3: Yeah, the micro because concussions, right? Especially for linemen like you, you're, there's well, impact the in thing. every single uh, interaction huge, you have. Yeah.
5: yeah, a huge part of the game is blocking and tackling. And that is very large, very fast, very powerful people running into each other. And so that jarring effect, um, you know, it's just the construct of the game. And so, yes, there has been incredible, incredible growth and in training around concussions and, uh, you know, uh, helmet safety is better. Um, the one thing that I think the game could ha- could use is a little better training around blocking and using your hands and tackling And using your hands. I still see a lot of dudes dip the shoulder, right? Dip their head, go to blow somebody up. And over time, it's inefficient. It's not as good as using your hands and staying on your feet to do the play, but it's also less healthy for your players. So by the end of the season, you could have healthier players. So I do think there can still be some drastic improvement around blocking and tackling.
2: Uh, going into this Super Bowl, I need to ask you, because I feel like offensive linemen, line play, it's something that isn't covered properly, and, and there's so much to it. And, you know, we just focus on the quarterbacks and the skill positions. Uh, could you explain with your expertise how it's possible for the Bengals to do this with with what a lot of people say is a very bad offensive line? I mean, even Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in, their, in the uh, game versus the Titans. But explain to me how they're being effective while having this line that isn't that
5: great. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the
3: magic, it has just no true. reason. <laughs> yeah,
5: well, the, the one thing I will say, and, you know, I used to, when I was in the NFL, I had played in college in one of the first one-back sort of spread-out offenses in Division I football. And what I learned was as long as you have um, a bunch of guys spread out, You can always get to one of them. And so I think what you're seeing with Joe Burrow, he knows how to get the ball out. He knows where he's going. They have great receivers. And it's almost like Barry Sanders didn't always have a great offensive line. But then he would find the seams between the bad blocks. (laughs) He sort of (laughs) made it work. So that's my only explanation there
3: life always finds a way at it. It, it, it truly does and as you look back at your at your football career and what you asked from your body I mean we talked a little bit about the the initial Uh, months of the retirement, but what you had to do to get there, to get prepared and performing at a high level. I was just talking to my teammate earlier today because we were talking about the Brady uh, retirement. And I just said to her, I'm like, how did we even exist? I feel like we were basket cases of just our everyday emotional lives. Did you struggle at the same level that at least I and my teammate did? And what's one piece of advice that you'd say to yourself in weathering that storm, say, if you were a sophomore in college?
5: You know, I think a a big piece of what I did is, and this was a lot of the coaches I had at the time, I always had really important things going on off the field. Mm. I always had a good social life. I always um, had a side hustle. I mean, I started working. The first thing I produced was before I was drafted. I produced a video on our national championship team um, the winter before I was drafted in the NFL, I started in radio in 19, in my second season in the NFL professionally, I just always had something helped open businesses, invested in some businesses. I just stayed, I almost treated football like it was still just a sport. (laughs) And, you know, I still trained as hard and worked as hard and put in the hours and, you know, became a starter in the NFL and all of that. But, it's you you can't train hockey all day you cannot be on your skates all day so what else are you going to do you go sit at home and play video games or go get a job at a retail store because you want to get in the retail business or on a reef, you know there's so many things to explore and especially as a college athlete you're on campus what else can you do what groups can you join what social groups what you know academic groups i just always and, and a lot of it was we i had coaches who were adamant that, hey, you have to be great when you're here and you have to be great when you're there. You know, there was no delineation between the two worlds, and I think that's a good thing to build into yourself personally is just don't – here's the hardest thing. All athletes define themselves and identify as athletes. Identify as a person. Start there because being an athlete is just part of that.
3: Couldn't have said it any better myself. A truly holistic approach to the athlete, to the lifestyle, to everything. Ed Cunningham, thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy Academy Award-winning schedule to join us today, my friend.
5: Hey, thanks for having me on. It's terrific.
3: Absolutely. Always great to find some friends from the same alumni bases, but as we always bring our insider calls Driveway.com brings us, Ed, and all of our guests. Head to Driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars in the driveway's nationwide inventory. On the other side of the break, gender equity. Still got to talk about it.
6: Shopify.com slash Odyssey all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey
1: Adrian Hernandez and Lindsay Brown, the Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 The Bet.
3: Speaking truth to power Tuesday, it's been uh, a very, very eclectic mix here on the playmakers as it always is. Lindsey Brown here, Adrian Hernandez over there, but big voice guy already introduced us. We don't need that any further, uh, but, but we do need further detail on, or maybe do we? I, I'm not really sure because we have found out that Becky Hammond, who is the coach of our Las Vegas Aces, uh... When she was hired a couple of weeks ago, Mark Davis said, we're going to make her the highest paid player. It makes sense, or paid pay coach, I should say, sorry. Um, because it makes sense as a coach for the San Antonio Spurs, she probably makes a pretty penny, right? And so you got to make sure that you convince her to leave. And we have... Since learned kind of what she makes, we know that it's upwards of a million dollars. And million dollars has never been handed out to anybody in the WNBA. Anybody in the WNBA. So first and foremost, before we get any further into this conversation, we need to talk about the significance of that. Because while I, I certainly have a few bones to pick with Mr. Mark Davis, he also at least does try to do the right thing and, and succeeds in that Avenue and has, especially in this arena. Uh, He quoted earlier, uh, little girls, guys, anybody can look up to her and say, she's just like me, a small basketball player who's retired and she got the job and she's making a million dollars. I can do that too. That was really important to me to bring that kind of value. And Adrian, I, I think you were producing already when, when the Becky Lynch stuff broke and, and I I basically asked him, like, three mil, give me three mil. And granted, we know that I'm not a numbers person, and I'm sure three mil probably equated to one mil. But as I said, this is a very significant type of collaboration and association to make because not all of us are players. Not all of us are 6'8", like Liz Cambage, who has a, a few things to say about this news because she's absolutely correct in her opinion that there still needs to be so much work done. Adrian, she tweeted earlier, and you brought it to our uh, to my attention, and you're a huge fan of, of Liz Cambays, and she's obviously a former member of the, the Las Vegas Aces. What did she have to say?
2: So she tweeted shortly after the announcement, and we found out that Becky Hammond is making over a million dollars. The tweet said, ah, yes, the WNBA, where a head coach can get paid four times more than the highest-paid player's Supermax contract, LMAO, and y'all think I'ma spend another season upgrading my seat on a flight to get to go to games out of my own pocket.
3: Yeah. And as we know, Liz is very active in just a lot of things. And she's had a little bit of, of controversy in the basketball world, be that in the WNBA or with Team Australia, but her opinion is very sound and and her and her statement here, because both of these things can exist in the same reality. Where all of a sudden we're making Progress unforeseen in this in this arena where she where Becky Hammond's making a million dollars, or even the Pro Hockey Federation getting an infusion of twenty five million dollars into their bu- into their budget just a couple of weeks ago. Like this is these are dollar figures we've never seen associated with women's athletics. But the watermark is always set by one person or one individual party, and we've heard about. Uh, the disparities in, in terms of gender equity when we were going through this NCAA external gender equity review in October and how f- little resources are dedicated towards the women's side of sports and, and specifically each sport and how that, that is mapped out and who ultimately that falls on. Uh, we can't disassociate this conversation from the one we had earlier with, with, with Brian Flores and when we're talking about who makes the boat run the players, right? So, shouldn't the players be making the the, the a bigger piece of the pie, or a, a, at least of the WNBA, a certainly bigger piece, at least half of the piece of the pie?
2: Yeah, there, there's no way four times more than than an actual player. So, the WNBA does not regulate pay for coaching or front office positions, and the league Super right. supermax contract. Yeah, the salary is $228,000, which is what uh, Brianna Stewart got yesterday from the Seattle Storm. Yep. Um, And and players are sticking up. Like Liz and Brian Flores, way to kick off Black History Month and taking the stand. Seriously. Um, And and for Liz to use the platform that not many WNBA players, hell, even NBA players have, where she's with Rihanna, she's with Drake, she's in pop culture like that, Mm -hmm. that especially in the WNBA, that doesn't happen. And also – so, free agency kicked off today. Um, Holly Rowe reported, so the Chicago Fire, uh, one of their star players, Courtney Der Sloot, mm-hmm. was very, very upset at the offer that she got from Chicago. And her team in Russia actually paid her this season to sit out and not play in the WNBA. And this is and why, why we're not up front through. with
3: figures, which is BS, too, because people get hurt feelings. And that this is why transparency is important, because then it ultimately keeps everybody accountable, because... Russian team says we'll pay you to sit out. Well, then Chicago, you gotta you gotta get get yourself together here. And if it's not, all of a sudden this league can't compete to keep players, not just from playing in Russia, but playing at all here. Well then, we got to get about. We have problems. We have a business model change that needs to be implemented, and that's what we're seeing. We're finally seeing some progress in terms of dollar amount value, and that is truly the main frontier where this battle needs to be fought. And the more you you have coaches like Becky Hammond making figures like that it absolutely has that intended effect that mark davis is talking about but it also has the intended effect on the players there there are consequences both positive and negative we're doing better but we can still improve
2: and before we get out of here shout out to liz for for telling her story holding people accountable. Yeah. I feel like there's a large portion of people that are going to read this story and just feel like, well, she should just be thankful that she has the opportunity. No, it's bigger than that. We'll
3: send it to her in an audiogram or something like that. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in today. We'll be back three tomorrow, three to five, to break down the hopefully the Gold Knights victory, among other things. Goodness knows what will happen. Playmakers, blinkers, be nice to other people and yourselves. Otherwise, we'll see you. Bye.